Hello everyone, I'm Carrie, and I'm Kristen, and we're bringing you our weekly podcast called Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. Kristen and I met a few years ago through a mom's club in our town, but our friendship really took off when we started sharing the heartaches and successes we both experienced in raising our children in blended families. We hope to share insights, stories, and a few laughs with you on this crazy and rewarding journey of parenting. So grab your glass of wine, and if something we share resonates with you, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Cheers. Cheers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. Tonight, Kristen and I are joined by a guest speaker. Her name is Charla, and she is joining us to share a little bit about blending through foster parenting. So welcome, Charla, and hello, Miss Kristen. Hello, hello, and welcome, Miss Charla. Hi, guys. Thanks for asking me to do this. I'm honored. We're so excited you said yes. Thank you. We've been trying to just get like different versions of blending families, so I thought your situation was a unique one we haven't touched on yet. Um, would you mind telling us just a little bit about you? Sure. Yeah. Um, me and my husband have been married for almost seven years. We have a six-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. And about, I guess it was about a year and two months ago is when God really laid uh, adoption on our hearts. We weren't initially going into it thinking fostering was anything that we would ever do. Um, but as you know, God tends to do, he laughs when we make plans. <laughs> so we had contacted, you know, like a local, um, adoption agency, which is one of the biggest in the nation. I'm right here in Texas. And, um, you know, really trying to navigate through that process was a little daunting and the cost was really, really high and whether or not we could afford it or not, we felt uncomfortable going into it. Um, with that mindset thinking, I don't, we're like, we're on the Dave Ramsey plan. Right. So like paying off everything is like, um, uh, with the, you know, our path. So that going into that was a little like, Oh, I don't know if this is where we're supposed to go, God. But simultaneously, like with that same, um, when we were on that journey for adoption, there was a foster agency that contacted me to voice their commercials on a local, uh, radio station here in town. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to put my voice on anything unless I absolutely know that this is, you know, something I can stand behind. And I met with them, you guys, and I fell in love. I was like, why are we not considering fostering? Like this is, there's such a need out there. And, um, so about six weeks after I met with them about voicing commercials, we had our first foster placement. So it was crazy how it all worked out and how God like you meticulously orchestrated the whole thing. That is amazing. Just like you were saying, it kind of was placed into your lap and here it is. That's pretty good timing. Yeah. It's, it was insane. And, and yeah, so we, we were on completely uncharted waters, but yeah, we had our first foster placement for about two months and now we're on foster placement number two. So. Okay. And do you get to like, so tell us a little bit more, like, how does the process work? Did you get to, you know, say, I want this age range. Is it really just whatever the need is? Is it local or does it come from, you know, is it nationwide? How does it, the process work? 
Yeah, so we're just approved, like, locally within, like, our county. Um, but there is such a need, like, here in the, like, North Texas area where, where we are. Um, but we also wanted to, you know, of course, I, like, started reading tons of books and listening to podcasts. And, um, you know, there was this big topic of, um, oh, now the words lost me. Um, <sighs> keeping it an order of the age. What, what is that? You, you guys probably know the term there. The order of like the ages of your kids, like the sequencing or the chron- chronological. I'm not sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> we, This is the part you'll have to edit. <laughs> so, like, um, getting a kid that's like um, younger. Well, we we knew like we didn't want you know anybody over four years old because our son was four, right? Gotcha. And um, so that's why we we basically said three and under and you know gender didn't matter, race didn't matter, health didn't matter. Um, so that's how we went into it was you know we were kind of open to anything as long as we kept you know them younger than our own children. So how did you talk to your kids about that about like the idea of fostering and like what that would mean for them and just kind of like that idea that there's children out there, you know, whose homes aren't safe or, you know, whose parents can't provide all their needs for them. You know, it's kind of like a big adult concept. How did you convey that to your kids? You know, honestly, we're, we're really um, involved in our church and my daughter just accepted Jesus like last summer and, you know, so we've got a really strong, like, faith base. We also do a lot of work in Kenya where we build schools, uh, Christian schools, to parts of Kenya that are completely unreached. And so they kind of already had that heart. Like, they send cards and pictures to our kids over in Kenya, you know, that, you know, don't have it as fortunate as we have, you know. And so even, like, simply coloring with finger paints, they've never been able to do. So my kids have always been a part of that process, like, sending over things that these kids need that are less fortunate. And so I think, I, I don't know that we necessarily did it in the right way. It was just one of those conversations where, you know, there, there are babies out there. And what, what if we had a little, a little baby boy or a little baby girl come into our home and we could love on them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, how would you feel about that? So really just letting them talk about it. And then all of a sudden it got thrown on them. So they were really thrown into the fire, but honestly, they, we've learned more from our children than, than, I mean, we could have ever taught them. I mean, they've taught us so much on acceptance and grace and patience and, you know, through the whole process. So they, they've, they've probably adjusted better than me and my husband did, you know, right. as, as new, you know, members of our family joined. So, yeah. Cause I think sometimes they're just looking at it with such different eyes and they don't have like stigma and they don't have stereotypes. And so they just kind of go in, you know, with an open heart, like you said. So um, how was it for you and your husband in terms of like, you know, you already have a child and um, you have a parenting style. Was it the same parenting style for the foster child or um, like were things different? Yeah. I mean, I think it's more of a, it was like a test of patience and still is on a daily basis, you know? Um, but knowing that this was, this was our calling and, and loving this child, like he's never going to leave, you know, because you, you do, you invest so much time and energy and lack of sleep and you, mm-hmm. you know, you all of a sudden you find yourself fighting and you're like, what, wait, 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 what are we, what, what's, 
what's the purpose behind this fight? We don't even know, but it's because we're all tired. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the thing you you're investing time into somebody that you don't know if, if, if they're going to stay in your family forever or if they're going to be gone in two weeks, you know? And, um, so it was always kind of, I mean, I think I might've even seen it on one of y'all's social media accounts. Like two parents are not always strong at the same time. And that's why, you know, we're here to be strong when the other one can't be, you know? And so I think that that's what we've, we've given each other a lot of grace and, um, you know, a lot of unwarranted hugs, <laughs> you know, throughout the days when there's, you know, when screaming's going on and dirty diapers are needing to be changed and everything. So, but I, I mean, we're blessed because, you know, we're both, um, you know, financially in a position with our jobs and everything where we can be at home, you know, full time. And that's like amazing that God's allowed us to do that. Because if I were, if my husband was working 70 hours a week and I would have had to handle this all on my own, on bear it on my own shoulders, I don't know that I would be as sane as I am today. (laughs) Yeah. One of, one of the things that, you know, Kristen and I have talked about frequently on the podcast is the transition. Um, So, you know, in a, I will say a typical blended family where some kids are coming in and out and going to other parents and then some kids are staying or maybe all the kids go and come back. Um, There's always that transition period. So I was curious of what it's like for you and your husband and for your children when one of your foster children first comes in and then when they leave and how you guys kind of talk through that as a family or if you have any like methods or tips that you have developed, you know, as a way to ease that transition. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can only base it on our two experiences that we've had. Like the first one was just a a two month old baby that we had until he was four months old. And so it was so quick and he was such a tiny infant and there, you know, there wasn't, I mean, it was, you know, the sleeping and eating and crying and changing diapers, you know? So, and he said goodbye rather quickly and it was devastating because we didn't think it was going to be that short lived. But now with our recent one, we've had him for almost a year. And so, you know, your routine, you just, you, you make it work however you can. It's like a day-to-day thing until you can get them into a routine. Um, And I think that's important for the whole family is just routine, routine, routine with everybody, with our own kids, with the foster baby, you know, trying to find our own routine in the mix. So I just think consistency is always, you know, the best way to get, you know, sanity for anybody. Um, but you know, this, so with this, the most recent one though, we're, you know, we're learning to crawl and then walk and now we're talking and now we're running. Like there's so much more that's involved with his development that we didn't have with the last one. Um, so that's just been our own, you know, experiences, but I think just finding a routine that works, giving each other a lot of grace and breaks when you know that, your pot's about to boil over. You need to go and have a day, you know, um, and just taking, taking over when you know that it's necessary. Yeah. I think that that is universal. Cause that's stuff that I think in the beginning, why Carrie and I became such good friends is because we're constantly sharing like, Oh, this schedule changed for us. And this one, you know, we're doing this now. And now we have the kids more, we have the kids less, or we have to figure out 
childcare or school or after school activities, you know, it's, it's not something that somebody in a traditional family has to deal with as much um, when you're blending of having the children, you know, their schedules are always in flux. So it seems like that's kind of an aspect of fostering is you don't know how long you're going to have the kids. You don't know, you know, medically and developmentally what condition they're going to be in when you have them and um, visitation with the biological parents and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think we can definitely feel you on that in terms of like structure and routine is the most important thing of however long it lasts and whatever that period is for you. Yeah. And my husband has been so great. I mean, he's taken him to every doctor's visit and taken him to visitation and from visitation. And, um, you know, it's just, I'm just blessed with an amazing husband and an amazing support system that's, you know, helped us navigate the schedule in itself. Do you, is there a standard or is it a change every, with every, um, situation but do you get like a period of notice before the child does leave you or is it like you know you get a phone call and they're coming well that's kind of how it was with the first one was like uh you know family members gotten approved reunification is happening we're picking them up you know in two days um but with you know the last situation it's kind of drug out we've never really known you know what if there is an end date you know what I mean so um, you know, I just, I heard the greatest advice. I, I, you know, I don't know if it was from a podcast or, you know, seeing someone's blog, but you know, like they're not our child. They're not even their child. They are God's child. And so like literally starting off every day with that mindset of like, whatever happens, you know, whether he goes tomorrow or whether we have two weeks to prepare for it. God is the one who put us on this path and he'll also be the one to pick up the broken pieces if, if that happens today, you know? So I think just taking every day, just trusting God that you're in the right spot, that you're picking up your cross, you're moving forward, like being, if it w- wouldn't it be amazing if all the Christians in the world just picked up the cross and did the hard stuff every day, you know? And so if, if anything, we just feel like this is where we're supposed to be and we're, you know, we're doing it right. And we just hope God protects our hearts. Yeah. I think that's just a really nice approach in general is thinking like, it's not your kid, my kid, you know, like there's no possessiveness there. So when you eliminate that, you know, it's God's child or however you like conceptualize that, that it's, you know, you're just doing it for the betterment of the child and like the higher purpose. So there's no like jealousy. There's no adding up time. There's, um, there's really just like no room for any negative emotion there. It's just, that's a really nice approach to it. I think I was just thinking, thinking, yeah, taking the ego out of any situation, whether it's parenting or, or fostering or adopting or career. If you just take the ego out of anything, you're going to be in a better place to tackle the day. Definitely. I think that's great advice for uh, our listeners. And we've discussed a lot in the past about, you know, doing this blending in a graceful manner and trying to give the other parents involved some grace as well, because it's hard when you have, you know, you aren't raising a family with the traditional, you know, two two parents and two kids. And it's, you know, there's more children coming in and out or there's extra parents and there's extra households. Um, And there's the transition of not knowing when you're going to receive or, you know, give your foster child back. And 
just being able to put the kids interests first. Like we always say, it's about the kids. It's not my time or your time or, you know, um, making it possessive. And I, and I liked what you said, Charlie, about the ego. If you take that out of it, hands down, like you make it about the kids and do what's best for them. Yeah. Because that's the number one thing I get asked almost, uh, you know, on a daily basis is, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you foster. I could never bring a child into my home and then watch them leave. And Mm. I'm like, well, then you're doing it for you. You're not doing it for the child or for God. (laughs) Like that, that is you worried about your own heart and your own, you know, and I I mean, that may seem like a, you know, more terribly direct way of saying it. But I mean, when I take my own ego out of it and it's all just trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, you know? in a million pieces when he leaves. Yes. I mean, we're going to miss him so much, but you know, we know that, that there's, there's another child out there that we need to be loving on again. You know, that's it. I, I do. I have to give you a ton of um, kudos because I think that it would be really hard. I mean, I find it hard when my son leaves for the weekend, you know what I mean? And, and I know he's coming back, but It is. It's still heartbreaking, but amazing at the same time that you're able to love on them and that your whole family is able to do that, um, even even knowing that it may not be permanent. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, when it's the hardest for us, that that is where I do feel like a little bit of solace or a little bit of comfort is knowing like, okay, you know, my kid isn't with me right now, but I know she's well taken care of and it's the best thing for her. And it's hardest on the parent who's not with her, but it is really about the child in the end. So um, that's just a good direct way of kind of like, you know, really like getting you back to the center and to what like the most important values are. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, our kids are the, they're the, they're the biggest examples of it all. You know, I mean, I was bragging on them earlier, but like when, when the day that he came, we got a two hour notice before he came and my daughter was in school and my son didn't have school that day. Um, cause he's not full time, but you know, so when my husband brought my daughter home from school, I was sitting in our garage with this new foster baby on my lap. And she jumps out of his car and runs up to this baby she's never seen before, puts her hands on both sides of his cheeks and says, you're the cutest thing I've ever seen. We're going to love you. And we're going to love you so hard. (laughs) And and she has every single day since we've had him. And, you know, it's almost been a year. And, you know, one of the harder parts has been my son, who's, you know, gone from three to four, I guess he had just turned four when we got him, but you know, there's definitely, it's not all roses all the time. I mean, we've definitely seen my four-year-old digress and he was acting out and trying to get attention in negative ways. And, you know, so having to navigate through all that, you know, and, and having to read books and lean Mm -hmm. on people about what do I do, you know, and pray for us about my son. Um, But now he is like the best big brother like he is the coolest they're the coolest little duo it's so fun to watch like how much he's grown through this process too so like that's another thing I wouldn't say like if people are thinking about fostering but I don't know if I want to bring my kids into this you know even if it's on my heart I don't know what it's going to do to our kids like just trust that God is going to take them through a journey that's going to be amazing and personally grow them in ways that you never even imagined possible 
Yeah. That, I think it would be amazing to have my kids be that nice <laughs> to each other and, and right. <laughs> Oh, oh yes, we deal with that too. Don't worry. It's all <laughs> we're all in that every day. <laughs> Charlie, you mentioned a couple times about um like reading books and kind of getting like resources together. What if you can think of any off the top of your head, what um what did you find really helpful in terms of any like literature you read or podcasts that you listened to? Um, that might be helpful to us or to other people? Um, I think the the book that I read that was really powerful was called Adopted for Life. Mm -hmm. And I just remember one of the quotes in there. This was this family that had gone over to Russia and adopted these two uh, brothers. I don't know if they were actually brothers or if they just looked like brothers. Um, But anyway, they brought them back home. And then they've since had their own kids. So they're actually the oldest. The adopted kids are the oldest. And obviously their skin color is different and people stop this dad all the time and go, is, is that your son? And he goes, he is now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I think that that's true, whether you're a foster parent and you know that you're going to have them forever, or whether you're an adoptive parent and you are that for that child's forever family is like, is this your kid? Yeah, he is now. Mm -hmm. Like today he's mine. (laughs) (laughs) And you need to be colorblind to that. And I know that's not realistic, but you know, that's, it's just been my way of, of like, you know, we, if anything, I, we get more looks when we walk into our own church than anything. Like, what are you, what that baby is not the same color skin, but you know, I, it's a lesson to everybody, you know, just you moving through your daily life that. Right. And that, yeah, this is, he's my, he's, this is my baby right now. I'm a, I'm, I am his mama and you're going to treat the situation as such, you know? (laughs) So you go, you can tell I've got a little mama bear coming out in me right now. (laughs) But you know, what's nice too is, uh, so I'm a therapist and like, there's kind of a phrase in therapy where you say like, you might not be, you know, solving everybody's problems in the time that you're working with them, but you're sort of like a link in the chain in their life. And maybe, you know, at some point in the future, they can look back and just see you were helpful to them, you know, going through whatever they're going through at the moment. And I, I kind of feel that way too about you in terms of fostering, where it's just, you give everything you have in that moment for however long you're going to have the child and know that, you know, you're giving them all the love and support that at some point, you know, they, even if they don't stay with you forever, they can come back and, you know, your son will still be buddies with them when they're maybe teenagers and not even, you know, still in your home, or maybe they still will be, but, um, it's just like kind of building that foundation for the child. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, we've said this since our kids were babies, like a happy baby means a happy home and happy parents, you know, and, and just happiness and laughter and joy has been our biggest goal with our foster babies is that if, if they don't remember our names, our faces, what, you know, whatever, as long as they carry a little bit of the joy that they had when they were in our home and, you know, hopefully the love of Jesus will continue to be taught wherever they go, but really just making sure that we give them all the joys that they can, you know, take on the rest of the world with that little bit of joy that we instilled in them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly, especially if you continue to, you know, foster really young kids that may not be, they may not remember, but you're right. They'll remember how you made them feel and how they felt when they were with you. 
Yeah, and, and comfort. I mean, right? Like every everybody, I mean, no matter what age, you just want to feel like you've got a safe place. And I definitely, you know, that's what we've created a safe place for these babies. Really awesome. So we have a couple of questions for you um, that we like to share and ask of our guests when we come on our podcast before we wrap up. Um, so the first one is what so far has been the hardest stage or season for you and your family in your fostering process? Um, it was probably my son and like the digression and having to navigate through that. And, you know, so I, I once those stormy seas were over, you know, he, then it became so helpful. So I, I think, yeah, just the advice on that one would be just stick through it and read a lot of books, lean on a lot of people. So yeah, just build your community like we do, you know, in our life with parenting. Well, and that it's not always going to be this way. Like you may be in a really dark place today, but it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. So like go to sleep, get some rest and, and, you know, do a lot of prayer time and a lot of silence time. And, you know, you're going to wake up and it's going to be a new day and the sun will shine. I promise. Yeah. That's definitely been one thing that I've gotten this year is, just realizing that whatever the moment is that you're in and as awful it may seem like tomorrow it's a new day and it won't seem as bad tomorrow right by you know two days from now it's gonna be like you know ancient history exactly what about um for our second question any um like inspirational or motivational songs or music that you listen to to kind of get you through those difficult times well, Lauren Daigle, I'm just going to go straight for, it's probably cliche because she's all over the place right now, but before her song Rescue was even like a single on the radio, it was one of the, those very first tracks that I cling to that was kind of our motto as we went into this fostering journey was that we were, we're going to go rescue these babies, right? We're going to go rescue them. We're going to give them a loving home. And so it's hard for me to even listen to that song without bawling my eyes out. (laughs) Um, But whether you need to be rescued or whether you're like on this journey to rescue someone, that's a great like anthem that I would highly recommend to anyone going into this journey. Awesome. Okay. Um, And what advice would you give um, to listeners who are going through a similar situation? You know, I think just knowing who you are, um, you know, personally, as a family, having those like family mission statements that you take on every day, you know, um, and kind of just like being on the same page and putting ego aside and knowing that, you know, you're in this to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This isn't for your own ego or going back to the ego thing. This isn't for your own ego. This is merely for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that are going to agree with your decisions that you've made for your family. And there are going to be a lot of people really close to you that don't agree with the decisions that you've made for your family. So I think it's just knowing who you are and standing strong in those beliefs that um, it really helps you navigate your day so much easier when you kind of can silence all the noise and know exactly you're where you're supposed to be. I think that's amazing advice. And sorry, my audio was cutting out a minute there, but um, I love that song by Lauren Daigle, one of my faves. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. yeah. So we will definitely, we'll add that little clip to the end of the podcast so that everybody else can listen to it too, if they're interested. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. This was really, I think, educational and hopefully can, you know, be helpful to some other people out there too, that are listening. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. Y'all have a great night. Thank you. And to everybody, if you are interested in the podcast, just hit like on wherever you subscribe to your podcast from. And um, thank you to Charla. And thank you for listening to Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. Everybody have a good night. Good night. Bye.